Okay. He decided to believe his own truth. He didn't see the facts. He just saw what he wanted to see. The same happened to the people of Israel in today's passage. They had facts right in front of them. The preaching of John the Baptist, which was prophesied. The miracles of the Son of God, which was also prophesied. And still, they decided to believe what they wanted to believe instead of the facts that was right in front of them. Let's go ahead and read today's passage. Matthew 11, verses 7 through 19. You guys there? As these men were going away, well, as these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind, by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothings are in king's palaces. 11, 7 through 19. You guys are there, right? Yeah? Okay. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah, who, has, who was to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to the other children and say, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Today's outline, you can find it up here. The theme, Jesus acknowledges John as a prophet and warns against those who did not heed his words. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Jesus acknowledging John as prophet and warns against those who did not heed his words. And basically, today's lesson is divided into two parts. Part number one, Jesus pays tribute to John, verses 7 through 15. Part number two, Jesus warns those who did not believe in John's instructions, verses 16 through 19. It's a very simple message, but it's a very powerful message. And I'm just going to leave that up there for you guys. So let's go ahead and begin with context, right? Jesus is asking them questions. Why did you go out to the wilderness? What were you to see, right? In order to understand this context, I want everyone to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, verses 5. Go ahead and turn to chapter 3, verse 5. And I'll give you some time to write this down, even though you can do it as we go. Maybe I can fix this.
Are we all there? Verse 5. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. This is John the Baptist when he's baptizing in the wilderness, right? What was the immediate effect of John the Baptist? It was dramatic. People were going to him, right? People were coming from the great city of Jerusalem. I remember we talked about this earlier last year. They were coming from all over Jerusalem and Judea, and it was a major attraction, right? Some scholars even say that it was in the hundreds of thousands of people coming to see John the Baptist preach his message in the wilderness. A commentator writes, when God chooses to move in a people, there is an enthusiasm or conviction that spreads through the hearts of many people. This can only be explained by the work of the Holy Spirit. God was the one bringing people to repentance. God was the one bringing people to the wilderness where John the Baptist was. Verse 6 says, And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. That's why he's called John the Baptist, because he was baptizing people. Okay. For centuries, baptism was a way to convert to Judaism. If you were a Gentile and wanted to convert to Judaism, there were four things that you did. One of them was baptism. The other three, some sort of sacrifice, circumcision, if you're a male, or memorization of portions of Moses' law. Those are the four things that if you wanted to become a Jew, this is something that you would do. So, what does baptism mean? It means to dip or be immersed in. What did John the Baptist, the baptism Represent what, what was he doing? It signified a person's willingness to repent, turn away from their belief that, you know what? Just by being a Jew does not guarantee me my salvation. That's what they were saying. Just because I'm a, a Jew, just because my father is Abraham, does not automatically give me salvation. It is the belief of repenting before a holy God that does this. MacArthur states, a Jew who submitted to such a rite demonstrated, in effect, that he was an outsider who sought entrance into the people of God, even though he was a Jew. Members of God's chosen race, descendants of Abraham, heirs of the covenant of Moses, came to John to be baptized like a Gentile. It was, like I said earlier, the movement of the Holy Spirit, having these people come repenting of what they were, who they were before God in the act of of baptism. We also know that the Jewish leaders knew that some regarded John as a prophet and believed in his message. Everyone go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21 verses 25. Here basically they're the Pharisees are attacking Jesus and and Jesus is answering back and he's saying he, he, he responds to them, The baptism of John was from what source? From heaven or from men? And they began reasoning among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did not we not believe John the Baptist? But if we say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as prophet. People knew that John was a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, We don't know. He also said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So as we piggyback on what Brandon taught, on Sunday, let's. I want to start there, reading there. Okay, so let's go ahead and just look at a couple of verses before verses 7. 
Matthew 11. Okay. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, remember we just talked, that was chapter 10, the whole discussion of all the lessons that we talked about, of all what the authority that he's giving his disciples, what they're going to do, the gospel that they're going to preach, the persecution that they're going to face, right? It's not easy. Take your cross, follow me. Now, he finished giving the instructions to his 12 disciples. He departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. So now Jesus turns to the crowds. And he's going to honor, bring tribute to John the Baptist. Let's read what the good Lord said about John the Baptist. Verse 7. We're going to start with our first part. Jesus pays tribute to John. Verse 7. As these men were going away, meaning the men who were asking, who were sent by John the Baptist, Jesus began speak, to speak to the crowds about John, and he asked them, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? He's saying, all those people that went, remember verse 6 when we just talked about, all the people gathering and going to the wilderness? He's saying, why, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? They traveled far to go into the wilderness. Reed shaken by the wind is basically like a tall, woody, uh, uh, perennial reed with a hollow, slender stem. And two parts can you can come from this, and you can interpret it. it either it could be literal or metaphorically, saying, did you guys go to the desert just to see some weeds? Obviously not, because you were in the commotion. Oh, what's going on? John the Baptist, all these people are going. They're being baptized, right? You just didn't go to the desert just because to see some plants. Or metaphorically, it means weakness. They went to the desert to see someone who was weak, meaning John the Baptist. And we know for a fact that he was not weak. How do we know for a fact that he was not weak? What did he tell King Herod? <laughs> he was like, you're sinning. You're wrong. You can't marry your brother's sister. And that's why eventually he gets beheaded. He's, he's not weak at all. He's very confronting. We know how, he, how does he confront the, the Pharisees? <laughs> Brood of vipers. Snakes, you evil people. He's not weak, right? We know that's not true. It was his rugged independence that attracted the crowds. Verse 8, but what did you go out to see? Jesus asked them again, a man dressed in soft clothing. Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. Again, Jesus asked him, why, why did you go? What, what, were you, what were you really going for? Here, soft clothing in the Greek is fine garments. Jesus was telling them, you went to seek someone of, of nobility, of, of, of your standard, someone you would encounter that was in your image? No, that's not what you encounter. You encounter someone out of the establishment. No establishment. A man of God that wasn't a Pharisee. Some say it could be ironical since John was a prisoner in Herod's house. So he was basically saying, well, 
You're looking for those fine garments? Go look at king's palaces. See what you find over there. You're really looking for somebody of that type? Go, go to King Herod. See how he treats you if that's what you're looking for. Remember, what was, the, what was the expectation of the Messiah? That he would be a what? A savior, a physical savior that would save them from who? The Romans, because the Romans were treating them and oppressing them, right? So they were looking for glorious people. The forerunner of Christ, they knew about those prophecies. They weren't expecting some guy with a camel hair and a leather belt eating locusts and honey. They were expecting the forerunner, the Messiah. Yes, a king's heralder. He had to be something. Wow. Instead, they found John the Baptist. Verse 9. But what did you go out to see? Jesus asked again. A prophet? Yes. I tell you, one who is more than a prophet. Were they looking for a prophet? Maybe. Among the commotion, among what was going on, they were hearing, he's a prophet. We haven't, we, it's been 400 years since we've heard a prophet. 400 years of silence from God. And they're going. But what were they expecting? What were they trying to hear? Jesus is getting to a point here. He's telling them, what, was you, what were you really going for? You were going for hope, right? That's what you were going for. You wanted to hear the hope of your salvation from this earthly kingdom. But that's not what you found, did you? You found a completely, a completely different message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A message that no one wants to hear. A message that no one wants to adhere to. To bow down, to bow my knee to what? To who? My good works can save me. I don't need to do that. Verse 10. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Guys, what is the theme of, of Matthew? What is the theme of Matthew? Everyone. Jesus as, Jesus as king. And what have we said throughout the context when we talk about Matthew? What is Matthew's intent? How does he try to convince the reader that this is the Messiah? What does he do a lot of? What is, what is 10? What is verse 10 doing here? What is he doing? It's a lot of Old Testament verses. Yes, he's, he's quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting verses that they knew. That they, they, just like us, like, what are verses that we know that come to, a, to our mind? John 3.16, everyone knows that one, right? Or 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, all scripture inspired by God. We, go, we know all the fruits of the Spirit. These are things that we would know if somebody would reference those verses. Yes? So Jesus is referencing verses that they would know. They were, if you're oppressed, you're expecting a Messiah. You're expecting a Savior come quick. Yeah? So that's what he's saying here, and he's, and he's quoting the Old Testament, to tell the reader of the letter of Matthew, hey, this is the Messiah. And John the prophet, that was the forerunner that would proclaim the coming of the Messiah. And he, and he says, he quotes Malachi 3.1, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hopes. In a, in a summary, this is what it, re it reads. Behold, I, Jehovah, 
send my messenger, John the Baptist, to be the forerunner of you, the Messiah, and to prepare the people for your coming. So what does Jesus do by quoting Malachi? Not only does he affirm John the Baptist as a forerunner, as a prophet, but what does he also do there? Confirms himself. Guys, you've been waiting for the Messiah. I am the Messiah. You have the facts in front of you. You just don't want to see it, just like the guy in the video. He saw the facts, but he wanted to believe his own reality instead of the actual reality in front of them. They, were, they wanted to see, they wanted to picture God in the way they pictured him. And we can't do that. God is God. Not depending on how we want to believe God is God, but because God is God. Period. Verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Truly, kind of means amen, may it be so. It's, 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 it's emphasizing this is what, what I'm going to say right now is important. The phrase born of women is a reference to Job, where it's basically just mankind. And you can, Job 14.1 says, man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. And Job 15.14 says, what is man that he should be pure or he is born of a woman that he should be righteous? So he's saying here, guys, as far as mankind goes, John the Baptist is the man. He is the most important out of all of them. Think about it. Put yourself in the context of the Jews that are listening. If they're saying John the Baptist is the most important guy, why did you go to the wilderness? They went to the wilderness. They saw a man who wore camel skin for clothes, clothes ate locusts, and wild honey. And Jesus is saying to them, this is the most important man ever in the history of mankind. What would the Jews say at that moment in time? Okay, right, let's, let's play the Mount Rushmore game. If you had to put four Jewish personalities or Bible characters in on Mount Rushmore, who would they be? Let's, and let's, let's, let's maybe agree on some, all right? Moses, yeah, we're all, good. all right, I think Moses would be probably up there in Mount Rushmore. I mean, like, he is the first prophet, right? He's the one that literally went up, got the law, gave us the law. Moses is pretty important, right? Who, who else would be up there? Madison, who else would be up there? Who do you think would be up there? Important Jewish people in history, in, in the Old Testament. What do you think, Abraham? Father Abraham, right? I mean, he is. Yeah, he is the father, right, of, of, of the people. Abraham, Isaac, he is one of the patriarchs, right? So we got Moses, we got Abraham, Trey? <laughs> well, according to Jesus, he's not even up there. He's above Mount Rushmore. Lawson? David, yeah. I would say David, right? So we got Abraham, we got Moses, we got David from the Old Testament. Now, the fourth one's going to be tricky because there's a lot that can fit in that fourth one, right? 
Joshua. Okay. Noah. Noah. Joseph. Jesus. No, this is Old Testament. I heard somebody. Isaiah. Isaiah. Solomon. I'm voting Fletcher. Elijah. Who says Elijah? Maccabees. Okay. So, regardless. Okay. But you know how, what did you do right now? You started thinking, right? So the Jews are thinking, hold on a second. So you're saying that John the Baptist is more than Moses, more than Abraham, Moses, Elijah? Really? But what, why are you saying that? With what point? What is he doing? He is authenticating what? That he is who? What is the theme of Matthew? Jesus is he's, he's authenticated. I am the Messiah. And because I am the Messiah, the one making the way for the Messiah, no one is as important as he is. John the Baptist. But then there's a verse at the end that says, Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus is saying, even though John the Baptist was the greatest human to ever live other than Jesus, Jesus is saying, those who are humble and submit to God's will are greater than he. He's saying, yeah, he's important. Yeah, John the Baptist, he's preparing the way. But remember, his kingdom is way different than our kingdom. His standards are way different than our standards. And to the Jew, that's a slap in the face. Are you going to tell me that just, what do you mean that I'm going to be greater than John the Baptist or Abraham or Moses if I'm humble enough to repent and recognize my condition of a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus says, that's exactly what you need to do. And that's exactly, you'll be greater than He. It's not about position. It's about your heart. Verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. I so took this verse out of context my whole entire life until I... I read it right here, right now. Uh, from the days of John the Baptist, it's around 18 months since, you know, he started, you know, in introducing uh, Jesus in the ministry and, and began his ministry. Kingdom of heaven refers to God's rule, his will for mankind. Suffers violence, right? Here the Greek is to struggle, characterized by full or force or strength, often not necessary, physic maybe physical, maybe not. So basically he's saying, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, meaning the message that we're proclaiming is causing resistance among the people. The message of a spiritual kingdom over a physical kingdom, the message of a savior to save your soul instead of your current situation is not what they want to hear. It's creating resistance. And then violent men take it by force. Could have been the Pharisees and the scribes who attacked John verbally. King Herod who would attack him physically. And these, the enemies of these kingdoms, who would they eventually kill not only John, but also who? The Messiah. The Messiah. They would kill the Messiah. 
The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. Meaning the message that Jesus brings as being the savior of our souls is not the one that they wanted to hear. It's not the one people want to hear. Why? What do we do? What do we, every time you ask somebody, hey man, how so when you die, you think you're going to go to heaven? What do they say? Well, yeah. You ask why? Well, I'm a good person. Right? Everyone, that's a go-to line. Oh, I don't kill. I don't, I don't steal. You know, I'm, I'm a good person. Everyone wants to have some sort of credit in their salvation. Is that what the Bible teaches? Yes or no? No. no. <laughs> was that what Jesus taught when he was preaching? No. Was that what John the Baptist taught? No. So the Jews had a reality in their mind. Just like the guy in the video. But the facts were there and they still ignored it. They didn't want to see the facts. Because it was easier to do what? To be your own what? Lord. To be your own Lord, it's easier. Verse 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John... No other prophet would make way for the Lord as John the Baptist would. Matthew 5, 17 says, Do you think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets? I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill it. Malachi 4, 6. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will come and smite the land with a curse. Luke 24, 27. Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, Though things concerning himself in all the scriptures. John 5.46 For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. The Old Testament prophesied of John and Jesus. They prophesied of what was to come. They prophesied the Jews knew, but it didn't fit their model. They didn't fit their idea of what the Savior would look like or His forerunner would look like. Verse 14 says, And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. Woo! He's, he's giving it to... And I just could imagine the faces of the people in the crowd. It's like, ooh, this, he just keeps on saying things that just don't make sense. How dare he? Maybe some like kind of like tear their clothes of the heresy that he was saying. I don't know. What happened? Oh, every time it's a Jewish tradition, if they, if they had some sort of heresy, if somebody says like a, something that's really crazy out there, they would like tear their clothes in, in, in symbolic of. Okay. True, because they really had like two clothes of the really very, not get there. Anyways, they get this from Malachi 4.5. Malachi 4.5, behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and the terrible day of the Lord. So they, they were expecting Elijah to come back. And then Jesus is saying, if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. Now let me ask you a question. Was John really Elijah reincarnated? No. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was John the Baptist. He was not Elijah. He was John the Baptist. How do we know this? Everyone turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 17. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 17. This is... um. Zacharias prophesizing over his son. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. In the spirit and power of Elijah, not Elijah. John himself denied that he was Elijah. John chapter 1 verses 21. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Simple. No theological argument there. However, John was like Elijah internally, in spirit and power, and externally in rugged independence and nonconformity. Right? Spirit and power. Elijah was a powerful dude. Right? Scream a little louder. Maybe your gods are sleeping. You know, trying the prophets of Baal, Baal, or whatever, Baal in Spanish. And, he, you know, he went against them and even though he kind of right the next day, Jezebel was wanting to kill him. And he's just like, why do I why do I even live, Lord? That's all of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord delivers us every day from things. And, and we're just like we forget it like in a minute. Like we forget what God does for us in a second. Like our, our, we, we, our, our, a knee jerk reaction and, and instead of trusting in the sovereignty of God all the time. Verse 15, he who has ears, let him hear. Here's where he comes and really lays it down. Kind of culminating all these questions. Why did you go to the wilderness? What were you looking for? Who were you expecting to see? You saw a prophet. You heard his words. Why didn't you believe? He's like, don't be fooled. You know that John the Baptist was a prophet. That's why you went, you know, traveling in the wilderness is not something that I just want to do for fun. Right? People knew what they were going for. They were looking for hope. And when they went there and they didn't see their idea of hope, doesn't mean that hope wasn't there. Just that they refused to believe it. You were trying to ignore it because if John the Baptist was an actual prophet, then what would they have to do? Listen to him. And, 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 he, and, and, and we're going to go into the part two. And heed to his instructions. And heed to his words. They would have to believe in Jesus the Messiah. What was the problem? The problem was that they wanted a what? A physical liberator. Not a spiritual one. No one would tell them that their good works. They don't want to hear that. Oh, my good works are not good enough. They didn't want to hear that. Today, people don't want to hear that. They don't. Everyone, what's the kind of gospel that we, not we, that the majority of Christianity in America preaches, guys? Yes. God loves you. And is, it, is that false? Nope. No, it's true. But part of preaching the gospel is preaching what? The sin. All the gospel. All the gospel. The gospel according to Jesus. Right? That is what we... But that's not what they do today. They don't do that. No one wants to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. No one wants to bow their knee. No one wants to give their place. Because that means that you're not in control of your life anymore. That means that you've got to turn away from what you what? 
enjoy, love. Believe. He, is, he loves you, but you also repent. Turn away. Yeah, what, I don't like that part. That's why the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. That's why it's resistance. No one likes that message. No one likes to admit Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. What about other religions of the world? Do they all, all, do all religions end up in heaven, guys? Is that what the Bible preaches? Yeah, Hinduism and, 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 and Islam and Zoroastrianism and some sort of other thousands of religions that exist. If they just do good and there's, there's a God, we're all going to get there at the same time together. Is that what the Bible preaches? No. Only Jesus is the way, the truth and the light. You think that's popular? If you say that in the world, be honest. No. Oh, you're so close-minded. So that means that all the other billions of people in the world that don't believe in Jesus are going to go to hell? Yes, that's what the Bible preaches. Is that popular? No, it's not. Is it truth? Yes, it's right in front of us. You see, even in today's society, they fall into the same trap as in before. When they ignore the truth, that's right in front of them. Now we go to the second part of, of what Jesus is speaking to the crowd. The first one was a tribute to John the Baptist. No man greater than he, right? He is a prophet. Listen to what he said. Now he's going to warn them. Verse 16. But, what, but to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to other children and say, we played the flute for you, and you do not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. So, to give you the context of this, how many have ever played mom and dad when you were a little kid with your friends? Yeah. Everyone plays mom and dad or classroom, teacher with your friends. And so, back in the day, Jewish little kids, they like to play wedding and funerals. <laughs> they would get together in the marketplace and let's play wedding and funeral. So when the flute would play, it means that everyone's dancing at a wedding and you would play it in a wedding. Male, female getting together and the party and the dancing and that people played that. And then the dirge was when they sang a dirge, then people had to mourn. And I just, if you ever been to, there's professional mourners when somebody dies in Judaism. Okay, it's something big. So I can just imagine little kids pretending to mourn like what they see when somebody actually mourns. When music plays, you are to dance. When a dirge plays, you are to mourn. The action demanded a response. Jesus is saying the action demanded the response. What shall I compare you to? I'm giving you an action. I'm demanding a response, but you fail to do so. You don't want to do so like these children don't want to do. Well, like these children do so. They didn't do so because you did not. I played the flute and you did not sing or dance. I played the dirge. You did not mourn. I'm giving you the action, but you're not doing it. I'm giving you the key, but you're not taking it. I'm giving you the message, but you're not accepting it. The wedding and funeral were games that children played in the marketplace. I told you that when they played the dirge, they were okay. In these two examples, Jesus represented the wedding game 
and John the funeral game, right? Both were demanding responses, and Israel did not do so. What does it mean that Jesus was the wedding and John the Baptist was the funeral? Well, let's keep on going. Verse 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. So you got to understand John. John the Baptist, he was, he abstained from the luxuries of life. He lived in the desert. Very simple. Ate locusts, honey, and they said, who in their right mind would want to live like that? Only someone who is demon-possessed. They found an excuse to not believe that he was a prophet or what he said. You see what they did there? He's giving them the action, and they did not mourn. He's telling them, this is what you have to do. And they decided to ignore that. Why? Because it didn't fit their mold of what a prophet would be or what the forerunner of Jesus would be. And then, guess what? What In verse 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus is the wedding. He's eating, he's drinking, he's with the crowd. But they call him, what? A drunkard, a gluttonous man. The crowds were never satisfied with John because he lived an aesthetic life. They called him deep possessed. Jesus ate and drank and they called him a, a gluttonous man. They were never satisfied. It was not something that they're always going to believe what they wanted to believe. They weren't going to accept the reality in front of them. Basically, the Jews were saying this. My mind is made up. Don't confuse me with facts. My mind is made up. Don't confuse me with facts. That's all of us, by the way, before Christ. That's all of us before Christ. And the only way that we were able to even believe and have faith in Jesus Christ is because he himself granted us that gift to do so. Let's not look at oh, those, those people, those Jewish people. How can they, I'm so better than because I No, We all come from that. Our friends that we preach the gospel to, our family members that we preach the gospel to, we pray for their salvation, that the Lord opens their spiritual eyes. Because only He can do that. My mind is made up. Don't confuse me with facts. Why? John the Baptist nor Jesus did not fit what they were thought the Messiah or His forward would be. They rejected the message. They rejected the message of salvation through Jesus. Instead, they wanted to what? Hold attached to their good works. And that's all over the New Testament when we read it, guys. The Pharisees and their good works and, and all the law that they did. They, they took Moses' law and they put it on steroids. Seriously. They, they, they just did the impossible to meet. Look how good we are. See us outside, how holy we are. But they were dead inside. Don't let that be you today. Jesus' closing comment to this verse, but wisdom is proved right by her actions, is the same as saying, anyone who observes my behavior and John's behavior with it on his heart will see clearly 
our righteousness and believe that our message is true. He's saying, look at our lives. Look at what we're doing. If you look at it with an honest heart, what we say is the truth. What we say is the truth. And then next week, whoever is teaching, they get the, the best verses to talk about. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you. You had the Messiah and you rejected it. It's going to be worse for you than Sodom and Gomorrah. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will come into the kingdom of God. Only those that do the will of my Father. Works. Fruit. He's saying, look at our fruit. Our fruit is evidence that what we say is true. Not only fruits. Jesus does miracles. They still reject him. To conclude, three points of application. Number one. Stop wanting to fit God to your image. Stop wanting to fit God to your image. God is God. Period. We do not tell God how he has to do things. We do not tell God how he has to run the world. Or how his sovereignty should be. We accept God's sovereignty. We accept God for who he is. And all the doctrines in the Bible that they are. Even though they don't make sense to our humanly mind. He is God. He decides, not us. Number two, honor your spiritual leaders. Pray for them. Thank them for their leadership over your lives. Son of God, pray John the Baptist. I mean, honor, pray. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Last, repent and believe. Guys, the God of the Bible is true. Jesus Christ, he is who he said he was. He did what he said he was going to do. He rose from the grave. We are all sinners. All of us fall short from the glory of God. None of us can go to heaven by our works. It is impossible. For all have sinned and they all fall short of the glory of God. And even if you try to save yourself... Even if you try, the Bible says that even if you try to abide by the whole law, yet stumble in one point, you are made guilty of all. The standard is perfect. Therefore, be perfect like my Father in heaven is perfect. Guys, we do not reach the standard. We will never have that standard. One day we will go before God and we will be judged. But God... Matthew's favorite verse from last two weeks ago where he told us, but God, guys, God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will have salvation. That if you repent from your sins and ask him to forgive you, he is willing and able to forgive. That if you bow down and make him Lord of your life, he is willing to save. Don't be like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people of Israel who had Jesus in front of them and still refused him. The truth of God's word is true today, tomorrow, and forever. Repent and believe. Let's pray. Thank you, Holy Father, for your son, Jesus Christ.
Thank you because He is the Messiah who saved us from our sins. Thank you because You are God. You are sovereign. You are holy. You decide everything for us. Nothing happens by accident, God. You're in control always. Help us, un- help us always understand that, God. Thank You, Father, for, for Your Word. Thank You that we can meditate on Your Word. Father, forgive us when we want to put You in a mold that makes sense to us, God. Forgive us, Father, when we don't want to Make you Lord, Father, and and have you in control of our lives. Forgive us when we think we know better for our lives than you. God, we're sorry, Lord, and we repent from that, God. I pray for everyone here. I pray, Father, for every heart here that does not know you, Lord, that you can open their spiritual eyes and they can see their condition, Father, of a sinner in need of a Savior, Lord. Please, Father, do your will through the preaching of your word that you can save. We love you. We worship you. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen.